Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by Laura Gassner Odding. She is the brilliantly talented author of the new book, Limitless. We're going to talk about the greatest misconception people have about defining your purpose or calling in life, how that can apply to not only you, but people with whom you work, and then how we develop consonants. In essence, making sure that the work we're doing aligns with the things we're passionate about. You're going to learn a ton. She's a dear friend. Here's Laura Gassner-Odding. Laura, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Ian. How you doing? I am fantastic because I have you on the podcast with me, so now my life is complete. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will try to live up to that. <laughs> Can you start by sharing something surprising about you that I may know but our audience may not know about you? Well, since your audience can't see me, um, but they are going to be wowed by how amazing I am and how powerful I am, I will tell them I am five foot five. Yeah, but usually with with heels, you're like six one. Well, sure, and I play six seven on TV. So you know, I it's always funny whenever I get to know people, and then they find out later how tall I am, even though we've been in the same room together multiple times, even though they've seen me in sneakers or whatever it is. Whenever I tell them my height, they're like, "Really? You're only five? I thought you were five seven or five nine or taller." And I'm like, "Nope, I'm just I got a big personality." So <laughs> there are tons of things I could tell you about going to computer sleepaway camp or you know passing out on the south lawn of the White House or doing all sorts of random things, but my height is usually the thing that surprises people the most. <laughs> I love that the height is what surprises people. And oh yeah, I worked in the White House too. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. That whole West Wing thing is. There's that. You know, there's that. Yeah. That, that, but that's just kind of old hat. I mean, you know, I live, I live in the Washington DC area. So, you know, that's just like, we just call that Tuesday. Yeah, you could throw a stone and hit someone who works in the White House, and on exactly. any given day, you, you might want to. Exactly. It all depends. It all depends on the given day. It depends on which Tuesday. Exactly. So though we could have an entire episode talking about surprising things about Laura, what I really want to talk about is the concepts that are in Limitless, which I absolutely love the book. And for starters, what's the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to kind of their calling or purpose in life? The biggest misconception that people have is that they think that calling has to be a higher calling and that purpose has to be a lofty purpose. And, you know, we have this idea that, oh, well, I'm going to do the work now that I don't necessarily love, but it pays the bills. And then I'm going to have a purpose and a calling later. And here's the thing. I looked up the word purpose and it means simply this, the reason for which something is done. There's no other definition. That's just it. The reason for which something is done. There's no picture of Mother Teresa. There's no, you know, Florence Nightingale. There's no, you know, person administering alms to the poor. It's just the reason for which something is done. And so, um, you know, I spent my career doing, you know, 20 years of executive search, placing people in the highest levels of organizations that were weaving our civic infrastructure, nonprofits, universities, foundations, and all of those people had calling and purpose. And then I realized, you know, not all of them are happy. They're successful, but they're not all happy. And even if they have this purpose, so there must be some other way to find purposeful work. And then I 
looked in the mirror one day and I thought, oh, wait, this company that I'm running that does executive search for nonprofits is decidedly a for-profit operation. We were maybe not for all the profit, but we were for enough profit and we did very well. And I still felt like I had calling and purpose. And so I think the biggest misconception is that people think if the only way to have calling is to have this higher purpose, when in fact, calling is really your gravitational force. It's the thing that gets you out of bed. It could be a leader that inspires you, a company that you want to build. It could be a cause you want to serve. And if you're an entrepreneur, you could be your own calling, wanting to build a business. But all it is, is that thing that matters and and matters to you and you alone. Well, well, it's interesting because as as I was reading, as I was reading Limitless, I, I, I don't know, I don't know why, and I'm probably the only person who got this, but I, I started thinking about, there's a scene in the movie Bull Durham where um, Susan Sarandon's character says, yeah, so I think I, in my past life, I was this person, this person, that, and it's all these famous people. And Kevin Costner's character says, how come no one ever, no one ever was Joe Schmo in a prior life? <laughs> 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 and so that, that whole notion of people feeling like it's, it's got to be that higher calling or, you know, some lofty purpose, as you say, it, it it really isn't that. So so what are some of what are some of the ways that people can tap into that calling or purpose without it feeling like they have to be Mother Teresa or you know or Johnny Bench, I guess is the corollary. <laughs> right. Well, I, I will tell you the best piece of professional and personal advice I ever got, and it was pretty tough advice at the time, was this. You're just not that important. And I thought, well, what are you talking about? I feel pretty important. I'm running my business. I'm important to all my staff members. I'm running my family. I'm important to my husband and my kids. I'm deeply involved in my community. I'm important to all of them. I feel pretty important. And what I what I learned by listening to this advice was, in fact, I really wasn't all that important to all of these things. I didn't, you know, I I I I, I could just be Joe Schmo. It turns out that there are people and causes and companies in our lives to whom we actually are that important. And the fact that we feel like we have to be all things to all people at all times, it dilutes our power. And so I, you know, if, if you were to think about how to find your calling, I would start by saying, what actually really matters to you? What do you want to do in this life? Do you want to go cure cancer? Great, go cure cancer. Do you want to buy a Maserati in the beach house? Go do that. That's totally cool too. But I think it starts by ignoring everybody else and what everybody else says are the things that you must do and you should do and you need to do and what's the right college and the right internship and the right school and the right car and the right all of this and deciding what actually matters to you and then doubling down and being that important to those people and those things. Love it. So it's it's not so much keeping score and keeping up with the Joneses. It's what are the things that matter to you and intrinsically that you say, wow, you know what? This is what makes a difference in my life and for me, not not just – just because someone else values it based on what car they're driving doesn't mean that you should. And it's funny because you'll see people who were in certain careers and all of a sudden they pivot to something that's totally different and you see them and they're like the happiest beings on the planet. Yeah, exactly. And it's that reinvention. It's I think that's one of the things that releases people because they they you know I read Lean In five years ago, like everybody else, and and I bought into it. I was like, this makes total sense. I'm going to be all things to all people, and and success is going to be defined by this 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 fastest, most uh, most ascendant way to the corner office and and the 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 best paycheck I could get. And I did it, and I was super successful. 
but I really wasn't that happy. And, and, and what I learned was that it, the problem wasn't how I was achieving success. I was achieving success. It worked for me. It worked for Cheryl. It was, it was great, but it was how I was defining success because I, it, it really wasn't something that mattered to me. I was, I was originally working at, you know, I left the white house and you know, what do you do when you're, you're young and you have absolutely no skills whatsoever, but a Rolodex that can choke a horse, you go into executive recruiting. And so, um, that's what I did. I was 25 years old and I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to the best and the brightest and the, the, the biggest brand name that does this kind of work. And I did it. And when I was there, what I realized was that as a professional services, uh, as somebody who's providing professional services and the same thing with, uh, with, with people who are in sales, um, I was on one side of the table and I wanted to help save the world through the lever that I knew, which was finding great talent for these nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the table were my, the nonprofit organizations who were in fact saving the world. And I would look at them and I would say, great, we're all on the same team. But it turned out that in between me and them was the silent partner on the table, which was the profit and loss statement of the search firm. And so I actually had two masters. I was serving my bosses at the search firm, hoping to get the bottom line that they wanted. And I was also serving my clients across the table. And I wanted to be on the same side of the table as them. And it wasn't until I had that moment of realization when I realized that the 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 structure of the firm where I was working forced me to be on the opposite side of the the table, even though we were all ostensibly supposed to be on the same side, that I, I, I could, I, you know, I was, I was, I was constrained by it. And once I realized that, that's when I sort of had this moment of rage, and I was like, I can do this better and smarter and faster with more profit and more authenticity and more, you know, integrity than this firm. And that's when I started my own firm, which was based so much around a lot of the things that you talk about in same side selling. In fact, the first time I met you and I heard about this, I was like, yes, that <laughs> the, he, he has articulated exactly the. The ethos and the strategy and the methodology that we use for the last 10 years that I never knew what to call it. It's same side selling. And I was so thrilled when I figured it out. And I remember I'd already sold the, the firm to my team that helped me build it. And I sent them all of your stuff. And I'm like, this, this is what I've been trying to talk about <laughs> for the last 10 years. But for me, it was making that pivot. And it was realizing that I needed to unburden myself from the expectations of everyone else's definition of what success should be and define it for myself that then I suddenly became limitless and I was able to do all the amazing things that were with inside of me. So, so for, for the executives who are listening to this, you talk about in the book updating the metrics of success and you talk about this, this idea of – Look, it's not just do I get the corner office and am I making the most money? So what are some of the ways that people can reimagine this and figure out what really motivates them? And I guess it ties into the four C's, but I'm going to let you go in whatever direction you want. Um, it's just – and I'm sure there's people listening right now going, yes, yeah, so I'm building a successful business. I'm doing well, but – man, I'm not passionate about it. I, I'm just like now I'm kind of on autopilot and – I know in my prior business, I kind of felt like this. I, I was I was building a really successful business, and I hated going to the office because it just wasn't what was really motivating for me. Yeah, so I it was the same for me when I when I. When I told people that I was going to exit my business and I was going to sell it, I had so many people that were like, why would you do that? You're at the top of your game. You're super successful. You could ride this out mindlessly for the next 20 years. And I was like, yeah, 
That's exactly why I'm riding out mindlessly. I was making plenty of money. I was getting plenty of attention. I was I was able to do whatever the hell I wanted, and yet I was bored because I wasn't learning new things. I wasn't challenged, and 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 I think for executives that are listening. It's it's thinking about how to it, how, if you're thinking about how to incentivize and recruit and retain your your best people. We often think, oh well, I just need to throw more money at them. I need to give them a bigger bonus, and you know that works, right? It works usually for about three to six weeks, and then suddenly it's like, well, what have you done for me lately? And the truth is, it's because those things really don't mean anything to them. They mean something, but they don't mean everything. When I was doing search, we used to talk about there being eight motivating factors that would get anybody interested in any job. And they were things like the mission of the organization or company, the the leadership, how, you know, how inspirational or encouraging or motivational is the leadership? How hard is the challenge of the work and does it force you to dig in and be a better version of yourself? How big is the scope of impact? Will your work really matter? What kinds of new skills are you acquiring along the way? What's the reputation or prestige of the brand or the company and how will it look on your resume and in conversations with your family and loved ones? And then there's personal needs in terms of flexibility or your work hours, your your geography. And of course, there's money. And I would know that if I were talking to somebody and they piqued interest in two or three of these, I knew we'd have another conversation. And I knew if there were maybe four or five, I knew I could definitely get them in to have an interview. And if they were five or six, they were like fish in a barrel. As long as they were qualified and the the client loved them, they were sold. I didn't have to do anything. But then I started to notice after, you know, the three to four month search process would drag on that I would, these candidates would start dropping out of the searches. And when I realized why, I I, I realized that it was I'm, I was selling the product to these to these candidates. I was cold calling people who are best in class in what they're doing, and I was offering them a list of checkboxes. And those checkboxes were not really tied to anything in particular. So I gave them a full inventory, and they were like, "Great, yeah, this sounds good," but then it didn't mean anything to them in the end. So. If you're thinking about your staff and you're thinking, well, what really matters to them? It may be that what they care about is the prestige of the brand of the company and they want to be part of of, of the work of the, the rebranding or the collateral materials that you're making. Or maybe they don't feel challenged and they want to acquire new skills so that you know as they're growing in their career, they can do more. And this is really where the four C's come into effect. And we talked about calling. Already, so it's calling some, you know, a bigger something that really matters to you that's bigger than you that 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 is this this north star. The second one is connection. So, what is, does the work you're doing on a daily basis matter? Are you connected in your work in this seat in this box in this organizational chart to what you actually care about in your calling? The third. And, and so let's let's just let's just yeah. pause for a second. So so think about calling. So calling is this whole idea of. Am, do I feel like I'm doing the thing that I was meant to be doing? Am I impacting the people's lives who, um, who I want to impact? Does in essence, does this does does what I'm doing have meaning to me? Is that where you're going? Does what I'm doing have meaning to me? It doesn't have to have meaning to anybody else. Yep. But it has to have meaning to you. So again, if you are, you know, maybe you want to get out of debt for the first time in three generations of your family, or maybe um, what matters to you is is moving to a certain place and having a certain type of life, um, and that, you know, having a having that kind of mobility and that kind of flexibility is is the thing you care about. It's whatever the thing is that would make you feel like you were digging into yourself and being the best version of yourself. Yep. And then, and now when we move from calling into connection, 
what's what's the major difference between calling and connection? So connection is an understanding of how, like sight lines too, or an understanding of how your work actually matters. So does the work that you're doing on a daily basis actually impact that calling? And it may be that it does. It may be that you're super involved and all the work you're doing is absolutely focused and 100% important. It may also be that you just don't necessarily have sight lines. And what you need to do is get some of those sight lines to be able to to understand how your work actually impacts the, the overall picture, the, the company's bottom line, the problem at hand, reaching whatever the goal is that that you want to reach. Yep. So it's, 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 it's knowing, it's basically the answer to this question. If you called in sick tomorrow, would your colleague care? Would they notice? Okay. And if the answer to that is yes, then you've probably got some good connection to your calling. And if the answer is no, you've probably got some work to do. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it reminds me of the the experiment they did in um, automobile assembly lines many years ago, where it used to be that people would just do their job and the, and the assembly line would go straight. And they then reorganized the assembly line so that at the very end, the vehicles fully assembled would pass across kind of perpendicularly along the line so that everybody involved could see the car at the end. Mm. And it had a dramatic impact on production throughput and quality because the person who was just putting a nut and a bolt together could actually see what the end product was, not just I'm putting a nut and a bolt together. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's why it's why when it's why when CEOs and leaders bring everybody in for an all hands meeting and they have a conversation about here are the great big goals of the company and here's the change that we're making, nobody in the audience is listening because everyone in the audience is going, How is this gonna impact my job? What does this mean for me? Are they gonna lay people off? Am I gonna get a raise? And they're thinking about themselves, but they don't they're only seeing the bigger picture. And if if as a leader you can combine calling, here's the value of the brand and here's where we're going with also connection and also contribution, which we'll talk about in a minute, then all of a sudden your team goes, oh, I understand how this bigger picture impacts my job and how my job impacts this bigger picture. And suddenly there's connection between the two. Yep. Awesome. So let's talk about that next C of contribution. So contribution, while connection is all about the work, does the work actually matter? Contribution is about you. It's an understanding of how this job, this brand, this paycheck contributes to the community to which you want to belong or the person that you want to be or the lifestyle you'd like to live or the career that you'd like to build. So does the work, is it paying you the kind of money to allow you to live the life that you want? Is it giving you the sort of flexibility that allows you to pursue whatever you want to do outside of work? Is it creating, is is the prestige of the brand or the skills that you're acquiring or the leader you're working for contributing to the trajectory of your career and the velocity that you'd like it to take? So we think about contribution as um, what, what, what is the work giving back into the world? And I am encouraging people to think about contribution as how is this allowing me to um, create a a world in which the what I do matches the who I am. Yeah, and I love how you list questions for each one. Like, how do you figure out – how do, how do you tap into this idea and guide your search for contribution? So that way it's not just, oh, here's what you should do, but here are the great questions to ask. So in Limitless, you kind of give that guide so that those of us who maybe are a little more easily distracted will actually have a way of staying focused <laughs> and on point. 
Well, I think it's important to think about these questions in ways that we don't normally get asked. So, you know, we'll get asked questions like, well, what, what, what do you want to make? And the way I ask the question about contribution is what kind of life do you want to have? So it's not just, it's not just, do you want to go on vacation? It's, do you want to stay at, you know, the, the, the days in, or do you want to stay at the four seasons? Are you going to fly? Are you flying coach? Are you flying first class? Are you going to drive? You know, what are you, are you renting the, you know, the Ford Taurus? Are you renting the, you know, the, 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 the fancy convertible? And it's, 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 if you don't think about, if you just think about money as a number, but you don't think about money as a meaning to you, then it's just a number and you always are going to want more and more and more and it's never going to be enough. But the way to understand what that number should be is to understand what that number buys you. And and if you can attach meaning to it, then it actually is allows you to put yourself in consonance so that it, it, it all makes sense in your total picture. Yeah, that, that notion of consonance I think is so important because it's easy for someone to say, well, of course you want to stay at the Four Seasons and of course you want to travel first class. And the reality is I've got one of my nephews his passion in life is he's an outdoors guy. He he works for um, works for Outward Bound, where they help kids who maybe got into trouble to kind of get back on the right track. And they take them out to the middle of nowhere and and climb the face of mountains and things like that. So they realize, wow, there's something bigger in this world. And the funny part is, his goal is. Hey, I want to go to Nepal and I want to hike here and I want to hike there. And that's what's important to him. And the funny part is if I said to him, hey, listen, I'm sending you money so you can stay at this high-end hotel, it has no meaning to him whatsoever. He couldn't care less. It's not in consonance with who he is. Exactly. And he may say what I'd rather have from my employer is not more money, but an extra couple of weeks of vacation time because getting to Nepal and climbing that mountain is actually actually takes a lot of time. Yep. And so if you're a traditional employer and you're thinking, well, I just need to pay my people more and that's just what they want. That'll make them happy. It turns out that that's actually not what makes people happy. And the reason why people leave jobs is not because they're not paying them enough money. It's because it just doesn't fit with who they are. Yep. Now the last the last C in in this whole formula of the four C's of consonants is control. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so control. I am a control freak of the highest order. Um, I, it's why I'm an entrepreneur, right? Because there's a lot of unknown in in entrepreneurship, but you you're betting on yourself, right? So you know you are the one who's in control of everything. So the last C reflects how much you're able to influence the connection that your work has every day to that calling that you have um, in the way that you have some say over assignment of projects or deadlines or colleagues or clients. Um, maybe you're able to offer input to the team on direction and shared goals and strategic plans. And you have some control over how much the work that you do contributes to your trajectory and your earnings. So you think about it this way. The, in order to be in consonance, you have to have some form of calling, something that matters to you, some bigger thing that's out there that that you care about. You have to feel like your work has some level of connection to it and that it's contributing to your life in some way that's meaningful to you and that you are able to control in as much or as little as you want the connection and the control or the connection and the contribution towards that calling through your work. I love it. And then once again, you have these great questions like, gee, do you want more say in larger company-wide decisions? Uh, what type of input do you have in, in the projects that you're handed or the teams with whom you work? And just a, a whole whole series of questions that help people get to this. I look back at 
my prior business. And people would often say to me, I was running a technology company, and they'd say, well, how is it that you have much less turnover than other companies have? You must be paying people a whole lot more. I said, actually, you know what? I don't think we do, but we had it so that people had amazing flexibility. They just had time off. So it wasn't here are sick days, here are vacation days. You said time off. And if you had, if the cable company was coming, just work from home. You don't need to take a vacation day for that. And we would ask people, well, so what do you love about what you're doing right now? And what do you not love? And let's figure out if we can shift some things around so you do more of what you love and less of what you don't. And people said, well, that can't be it. I said, no, that's pretty much it. And then we also appreciate when people do great work and we recognize them for it. Oh, so you give them big bonuses? No, no, we just, we recognize and appreciate them. We, we make a big deal about it. Not necessarily financially, just we make a big deal about it and they have control over their own schedule. And if this book had been available back then, <laughs> it would have been a whole lot easier for me to figure all this out. Well, I feel the same way about same side selling when I was teaching my team to sell. You know, we ran my company was a was a fully virtual firm back before virtual firms even really existed. And I remember people asking me like, "Well, how do you manage your team? I mean, how do you judge how do you judge their 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 work product?" And I'm like, "By their work product." <laughs> it was just it was it was not complicated. Either either they got the work done or they didn't. And whether they were doing that work at 3 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. When we had client-centric work, they had to be there on the client's time. But other than that, it didn't make a difference to me. And I paid them the same thing, whether it took them 10 hours to do the work or three hours to do the work. I cared about the quality. I didn't care about FaceTime with the boss. I mean, that was, I didn't, I didn't want anybody to be in my face anymore because I had, I had stuff to do. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's really incredible to me that people, it's such a simple concept. And I, you know, I would say this to, to, to the CEOs and, and the managers in your audience that it, 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 this concept of consonance of finding this specific personalized, uh, rubric of calling connection, contribution and control will work for them. But then once they understand it, they look at their team and they're like, Oh, that's right. Sally from accounting has young kids. I bet she probably works, wants to work from home one day a week. And, you know, Joe from marketing, uh, really loves going on these crazy long vacations. I bet if I gave him a little bit of extra time off, he'd be super happy. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I can see these people as surprise people. Right? Yeah, novel and, and concept. It, a novel concept. And suddenly you are human as a CEO and people feel like they can approach you. And then when they're, think, when they're not happy or they're thinking about leaving or they don't know, you're, you're not just like throwing money at them because you think that's the, those are the darts you're supposed to be throwing. You actually know how to incentivize them and how to do work that makes it meaningful. You know, the, the, the statistics about the number of employees that are completely disengaged in their work. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they light your hair on fire, like two thirds, at least of, of employees right now couldn't care less about the work they're doing. They are completely disengaged. And we know that, that, that engaged workers are far more productive for their companies. So why not do what we can to engage our workers? If we can figure out how to make ourselves limitless, we can also figure out how to make them limitless. And if you have limitless employees, guess what? You can turn out a limit company with limitless profits. That's awesome. And what concerns me is that of those people who are disengaged, some of them 
are doing maintenance on aircraft that we're flying on. <laughs> yeah. If you think only one third of U.S. workers are actively engaged in their jobs, I sure hope that one third is in the airline industry because <laughs> I'm getting on a flight tomorrow to New York City. And oh, boy, thanks for seeding that little neuroses in my brain. <laughs> now, now, Laura, you've got this you've got this cool assessment that helps people figure out how they're wired and they can share it with their teams as well. Where, where do they go to do this assessment? Yes. Yeah, so people can go to limitlessassessment.com slash same side selling, all one word. And I'll say that again, limitlessassessment.com slash same side selling. And they can take this quiz and it takes about 10 or 15 minutes. There's about 60 questions and it will walk you through each of the four C's of calling, connection, contribution, and control. And at the end, you will get a beautiful little radar chart. One uh, of the radars will tell you exactly how much of each of the four C's you want to have in your life. And the other one will overlap, hopefully, and tell you um, exactly how much you have. And the parts where they don't overlap is where you're not in consonants. And then you'll get a little bit of language around some things that you can do right now today to make some moves to get a little bit more consonants in that way in your life. That's right. And and it's probably just me. It was only mine that said, you need to seek professional help right away. Most people, it's much more objective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we did, we, there, there, there are a couple of little cheat codes in there that we know if you're a psychopath, when you take it, it's, you know, we feel it's responsible to the rest of the universe. (laughs) That must be it. That must be why I got it. So Laura, what's, what's the best way for people to connect with you Um, Obviously, they can go out and get Limitless, which I highly encourage them to do. But what's the best way for them to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? So on all the socials, they can find me very easily. I am at HeyLGO. That's H-E-Y-L-G-O. So at HeyLGO and um, at HeyLGO.com. So very simple. Um, They can find me and the book is available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere fine books are sold. Awesome. Well, you know what? It's just, it's so enlightening. I always have a blast talking to you. We will definitely have you back on the podcast to talk about other things. And thanks so much for sharing your wisdom on how we can all be limitless. Thanks so much. Let's all get on that same side of the table, huh? (laughs) We can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Laura shares so much amazing insight. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. And remember to pick up a copy of Limitless. It's a great read and certainly opened my eyes to many things. So first, remember, this whole idea of purpose is not about a higher calling or a lofty goal. Oftentimes, it's just the reason for something gets done and making sure it's aligning with things that are important to you. And the way we develop that consonance is first recognizing that it's not something that's going to be important to all people, just maybe to you and a subset of people, and then focus on those four C's of calling, connection, contribution and control. And if you can do that for yourself and for your team, you'll end up with people who are more engaged and more passionate about the work they're doing. Remember, this show gets direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic I should cover or a guest you want me to have on the program, just fire me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customers.